no mercy on the people, the police. Mm. They're on big, big grey horses. And the mold, ask no questions, the mold people down. Would you smile to your fellow for me if she called her black rock? No. We don't have reasons. Got the blood of a whole lot of that general strike in 1913. They were batting into the ground and rings down by the harsh police. I love going down, down the Tarcastle Street, looking down the river, looking at the ships coming from all parts of the world. Hello and welcome back to Time Waves on Rick Radio. This is our radio history of Dublin 4, covering everything from Ringsend and Irish Town to Sandy Mountain, even all the way out to Pierce Street, uh, if the mood takes us. Um, this week we have something very different for you. Um, it's less about the great and the good of history and the great events, um, and more about a little bit of social history, as it was experienced on the ground right here in Ringsend. I'm extremely grateful to Annie Mordaunt and the Mordaunt family for making available to me these recordings of Julia Mordaunt, a lifetime Raytowner who lived in Ringsend from the early 20th century right onwards. Uh, Julia was recorded by an urban folklore project in the early 1980s, and the insights that she gives into life in Ringsend in the early years of the 20th century are really quite invaluable and I think you'll find them uh, particularly entertaining and particularly insightful. So first off, obviously Julia's life intersected with a very turbulent period in Irish history. So first off, this is her experience or her encounter with the 1916 Rising. Well, do you remember 1916? Can you remember oh, the happenings here? I remember. Here? So I was a demon for taking people's children for walks. Were you? Especially if they had a pram. And a strange thing, now the same woman, some mama's dad was down at the church, she put her arms around and kissed me, Lizzie Murphy, married to Brenham, and she's gone a cripple from operations, and she was Lizzie Nevin, this woman is dead. She was our baby. And I said, will I take her, Mrs Murphy, or we'd lodge her an hour or two, will I get a bit of tide, and that was at least a Monday morning. And you know Thornton Bridge up here, where Wallace is the cold place used to yeah. be. We got as far as there. Everyone had a, a pramulator. Wasn't like the prams, no big high go cars made of wood. Really? And we're all going down, and a lot of men come and hunched us back. Says you can't go to town, there's a rebellion. We were all hunched back, and all the mothers was out looking for us and for their children. Mm. I know my mother got me and she shook me out of my clothes. She said, if I ever get you taking anyone's child again, I'll take the head off of you. I know, and I do see her. And she's a grandmother now, that same woman. Yeah. But I remember that. I remember going into <laughs> when all that died down. I was supposed to go to an aunt of mine. And I went to the gang into the pillar. And we were running in and out the trams. There's no glass in them. All the trams up me the pillar. And Tyler's was broken to shoes. And we all run over. We got two or three shoes. And the three shoes I got was odd. <laughs> and my mother put them in on the fire. And the same night that she burned them, 
It was a matter chap from Ring's End who had been shot in Boland's Mill, Wheelham. And they were bringing him home on canvas. Yeah, sorry. Go on. They were bringing him home on canvas to his mother's home. And um, and bringing him home in the canvas to Ring's End. My mother was born in the shoes, and the man ran into a Mr. Clark. Lord rest his poor soul. Oh, see, Tilly, see, what are you doing, to see? As a complete blacker, we'd be all shot. And he run, and he got blankets, and he put them up to our windows and his own windows. Terrible time that time, too. Now, of course, in, in those years before the War of Independence, there was a, an uneasy peace between civilians and the British garrison in Ireland. Julia describes here her encounters with British soldiers as a young girl. I remember eating with the British soldiers. And they were watch Ram as an old demon. If you were Mitchell from school, he wouldn't let you go around. Now, it wasn't as big the SP as it is today. Yeah. And if you were down, you'd see the archway. And the British had that all settled in. And I could tell you the things that uh, the Ether Stewart it was a, a tin affair, Oblong. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we'd come out, about six of us, he'd say, Where's the singer? <laughs> and he'd say, What's your song? The cocks was crowing in the farmyard. And the moon was shining brightly. That was my song. Yeah. And they give each and every one was a bit of what they'd be eating the stew. Mm-hmm. And they'd say to me, Darkie, do you like stew? Love it. Do you like, oh, I love tea. Well, it was always a biscuit or a bit of cake or something gave to you. You know? Yeah, yeah. It was always something gave to you. Mm-hmm. Ah, those grand people. Well, would your mother have been annoyed now if she thought you were with the British soldiers? Oh, she'd kill me. Would she? I'd be more that. I remember one time I was sick. Very sick at that time. And... Uh, one of the gang was down there. They said, oh, where's the darkie? They said, she's very sick. And one of them gave sweets for me, but they didn't bring them. They knew what, my mother was very strict. And um, they didn't bring them. Yeah. Because I'd be strangled. I'd be more that. Well, were the British soldiers well liked in Ring's End? Well, they didn't mix much. Did they not? Well, I got on with them and my gang got on with them. Mm-hmm. Did they tell you stories? No, this man, he used to cry an awful lot. He said he had his wife in England, she wasn't too strong. Yeah. And he had four children and one of them wasn't too strong. And he lived for the day to get back, he was always crying. Mm-hmm. Always crying. Mm-hmm. And was very kind to us. I know Mickey Dalton, the Lord dressed him, wasn't that high, the watchman. And when he'd see his chases, but he didn't come near the soldiers. They wouldn't let him touch us. Well, do you remember the British soldiers now when they were in, was it Patrick's Villas they were in? And in this house I'm sitting in. Were they here as well? There was an Englishman lived in this years ago. 
But was there a barracks down there at Patrick's Villas at one time? No, new houses like these. Oh, I see, yeah. Yes. They occupied here too. Did they? Yes. Now, in the first half of the 20th century, the dance hall was really the hub of what we'd now call youth culture. It was the place where young people let their hair down, let go of the stresses of life. And very often it was the place where they met the man or the woman who became their husband or wife. I went to many. Then there was a dance hall over here to play bingo in it now. Where is that? It was St. Joseph's when I used to go to it. It's called the Seaboy now. Oh, I know what they're on the um, yes, Irish Town Road. Yes, yes. And uh, <clears throat> there used to be some lovely dancers over there. And I used to dance from 12 of a Sunday to 2 of the day. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it'd be open in the afternoons we'd go. <laughs> and again that night, I mean, I was very thin, my mother used to say. I'm telling you, you're asking for trouble and you're going to get it. And when you came in... She'd smell your breath, the Lord of mercy on her. And she'd get over and she'd smell. And she'd hope you didn't put any of that war paint on you. What was that? The makeup? The makeup. They were very strict though, the pair years ago. <laughs> well, my... did, did girls wear makeup to the dances? Oh, I knew a, a woman, she died here a couple of years ago. She was a lovely looking person. Mm. And she used to have red a red eye. Wallpaper, I'd just be going to take a bit of the wallpaper and use it as rouge and her cheeks. Was it red wallpaper? Yeah, red wallpaper. It's a hard ticket, I say. Mariah, you don't need that. Yeah. Oh, well. I'm very pale. Well, did they buy stuff in the shops as well? Yeah, I remember one time me and me pal. I'll tell you how scarce money was. We bought a jar of, did you ever hear, I cinnamon cream. No, what is it again? It's a cream. It was called a cinema cream. Mm. And we bought it in the chemist. We went half. Each. It was a shilling and three halfpence. Mm-hmm. And I hid behind a picture we had of our uh, Anna Mooney. My mother had a large mercy on her. Yeah. Because Nanza's brother went in for a lot of these things. Well, I'd... A brother never bothered around like that, the light I have to him. <clears throat> but this day was my mother cleaning the pictures. And the thing dropped down behind the picture. I was half killed. And she thrown it into the bin. I go, Nanda Lawless owns half of that. Look at what the children goes through now. Yeah, yeah. Well, was that makeup for your face then? No, it was sort of a cream to cool you. Oh, I no, I never made, use makeup. Yeah. Well, did they put eyeshadow on them? Um, no, nothing like that, no. Well, what about perfumes? Very seldom. Mm. It's a thing I never liked. It sort of brings a turn on my stomach perfume. Know, yeah. Yeah. No, they didn't go in like the way they're going in today. Yeah. Well, what type of things did they wear? Well, you wore an ordinary dress or a skirt and a jumper. It was no great style. No. But comfortably dressed and that was that. And you had to watch your few clothes like a cat watching a mouse. Well, the man I married, like happened to him, he was away the first world of the war now. He was a good few. Paddy was a good ten year older than I was. Mm. 
And I used to say to him, oh, I wouldn't have you. We're out fighting for the British. My mother had more than me. Tell you how innocent we were, though. Yeah. And I was always telling him off. But this night I was having a confession of a Christmas Eve. And I was coming home and there was another fella, poor Dinny, me and the Lord dressed him, he's dead too. Mm. Hey, Julius, you see, I'm going to a hoolie, will you come? And he said, not if I can help it. So you both use his terrible cheeks I never gave his, which I didn't. I was full of devilment. I never gave his any reason. So anyhow, Dinny went off. And Paddy was going to a cousin's to a hoolie. They used to call the parties that time a hoolie. Were these parties always on Christmas Eve? No, Christmas or Stephen's uh, New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah. (coughs) So he told me I was gone. And I went, they were a very nice family. And he kept saying, do you like them? Mm. I'm not that do I like you. But I enjoyed it. Yeah. So I went with him for two years. Now, in, in the first half of the 20th century, there was a very different and more ritualistic attitude to death and to waking uh, of the dead um, than there is today. Uh, some quite elaborate rituals would have been carried out in Rings End and throughout Ireland. And here, Julia gives us an insight into some of the customs and practices surrounding death and wakes and funerals that would have been common in Ring's End in the 20th century. When there be a death, it was altogether different to now. Mm. You, you take so many children. Yeah. And they were come to people, someone would buy a the ham. There was eating and drinking, including beer. Mm-hmm. But the doors would be wide open, tenement houses especially. Mm-hmm. That's all gone. Mm. You know, the put, put them into them old, old, old places, funeral parlours. Well, did they have whiskey and... Uh, Plenty of beer. Cigarettes or... Everything, snuff and tobacco and pipes. Anyone happened to pipe. You know, the clay pipes, there's none of them now. Well, did they play games? Years ago. Did they? What, what kinds of games now? Spin the bottle, who has the button? Farfets. Yeah. And what, what was forfeits? You had to give something that you valued very much. A brooch or a necklace or something. And you didn't get the if you didn't get your forfeit, you were more of it. Mm-hmm. But they'd give it back if it was good, but if it wasn't good you didn't see it. Yeah. Did they play the games in the same room? Yeah. Around the bit of fish. I remember a bit of fish. It was water and a farfish. And you couldn't get the fish, you might get the farfish. She'd be ringing. And I was like that. I was real skinny. And I worked for this family. I was years with them. I wasn't a maid. I was like one of the family up here at Lee Terrace. And the next morning I went to work. I was out there doing a big line of washing, and Mrs. Pheasant said to me, Julia, she said, what happened to your arms? So my mother half killed me. I was ashamed to tell her, 
Bob Fulham that's dead now, the great footballer. More than me for the forfeit. <laughs> Half killed me. Ginny Kane, and she was married to John Joe Flood. He played in England. She had to get out in the street for her forfeit and raw. I had twins this morning. I can't find the father that owns them. And our mother was up in bed. And she said to the father, that's like my Ginny's voice. Not at all, woman, you're dreaming. But it was Ginny, she always she'd say. People then times used to say, that, ma. Oh, me ma, me ma, here's me, she'll kill me. But she did hear her. People don't hear everything years ago. Now, not to be not to be too morbid, but it is unbelievably almost time to start thinking about Halloween again. And here Julia describes to us some of the superstitions and ghost stories and myths and legends that were extremely prevalent in Ring's End um, and taken extremely seriously by the people of the community in the earliest years of the 20th century. Well, were there any other ghost stories around? Oh, we lived in the house. You lived in Miss Hanson, and I could go back on that. I was only a young one, terrified where I was. We lived in the house. Do you know the story behind that? No, there was a woman died in childbirth in it, Mm -hmm. and she had a brother, poor Snow Gale, the Lord rest him. And I'd run like a red shank when I'd see him. I was terrified of a big man. Yeah. And he got over to the school wall, and he'd say... Every brick in that house is cursed. My lovely sister died. And I'd run. And my mother says, Snow Gale must be knocking around. The Lord of mercy, Anna. I wouldn't move for the night. Yeah. I was terrified of him. So this time my father stopped him. Yeah. Father was a very quiet man. He didn't drink, know the taste to drink. He says, you'll have to cut that out or else I'll go further with it. See, my poor child is terrified of you. Mm. Oh, so she's that the dark girl, the young one, yeah. And I'm telling you, that, that, that dark girl, that young one, I'll take the head off of you. Well, tell me, did you ever hear about a, a, a man on horseback coming over the bridge? Yeah, round Bird's corner, tell Ted's corner. The, it came from, uh, came from the pigeon house. Oh, was that it? It was a horse with no man on it. Some said he had a head, more said he hadn't. Mm-hmm. But it used to come round Board's Corner. Mm-hmm. Now, you know when you're in Rings End, no Rings End Church. I do, yeah. Across over on that side and walk down, there's a shop with the name of Ted's there. Is that on the corner? On the corner. Yeah, I know it. Well, people used to run by that years ago, they were out late. Or one person wouldn't venture down on their own. They lived on the Pigeon House Road or anywhere. But seemingly the time to time it was banished, I don't know. Now, of course, some very real horrors happened in Ringsend during the 1913 lockout, particularly with the police response to those events. But one of the things that kept the community going and kept the strikers going was the regular delivery of food aid parcels to the docks. And here... Julia describes her experience of collecting parcels of that much-needed aid in 1913. And four of us brought her up to Ted Castle's up here on the south side. That's where the pucks was mm-hmm. getting gave out. So we went with Fanny for the pucks. 
Poor Mikey Bird, you always had a horse, you were talking. And she'd say, watch your butler, watch your butler. That's the way we used to call one another. And the next, she makes a dive for the locks. A loaf fell in. Ah, me brought heaven and air together, screeching for help. She nearly in after the loaf. And this man come out, here's a bloody loaf for you, Susie. No use in drowning yourself. As I missed her, she's a bit queer up here. Oh, God, help her, see, I'm sorry. But I used to go with everyone. Ah, oh, me mother, if I get you going across them locks. It was the locks, they used to call it, mm-hmm. to go up on the, south, on the south side. Ted Castles, that's where all the pucks was gave out. You used to get the grand pucks. Jam, butter, you name it. Bread. They got everything in the puck, but they had no money. And that brings to a close this very special edition of Time Waves. Uh, I hope you found it as fascinating and insightful as I did. Uh, it was a very rare and privileged glimpse into the first-hand experiences of Ringsend people in the earliest years of the 20th century. My thanks once again to Annie Mordaunt and the Mordaunt family um, for providing us with that fascinating material, um, which gave us such a... Such an unbelievable insight, really, which I don't think anyone else um, has in this form uh, into the life of Julia Mordaunt and her family in the early years of the 20th century. Uh, Once again, if you want to reach out to us and indeed, if you have any similar material uh, or if you would like to um, to share with us your experiences of Rings End in times past, uh, do please read, reach out to us on rickradio2020 at gmail.com. Uh, if you're enjoying the show, if you're enjoying the topics we're covering, or if you can think of other topics that you would like us to cover on the show, uh, do the same. Reach out to us on the same address, and we'll certainly uh, we'll certainly take that under advisement. Uh, thanks once again to Dylan Clayton and to Zalan Kovacs in the studio for all their support with today's show, and we'll see you next time on Time Waves. Got a blunt of a whole lot of that general strike in 1913. They were batting into the ground and rings down by the harsh police. I love going down down the Tarcastle Street, looking down the river, looking at the ships coming from all parts of the world.